0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Jesus is the light of the world. But this is what he says in Matthew 5. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, before people, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Just turn to somebody next to you. Look at them and say, you are the light of the world. Now say it like you mean it. Okay, and look into their eyes. You can see it in their eyes. You are the light of the world. Now say to them, you carry a hope that cannot be stolen. Do you believe that? Just say it again with conviction now. You have a hope that cannot be stolen. And now say to them, and you have a joy that can never be taken away. Make sure everybody's talking to someone. Look at someone. You have a joy that can never be taken away. Happiness comes and goes like an emotion, like the weather. But the joy, sorry, mate, is this it's ringing up here? Um, but the joy that you have can never, ever be taken away. There's a, there's a good old song, isn't there? I'm not going to sing it because you'd all leave the room. Um, and, and it goes, this joy that I have. Anybody know it? The world can't give it to me, this joy that I have. have. Right, cringe church this morning, cringe factor church. But the world didn't give it to you and the world cannot take it away. The joy of knowing Jesus breaks the power of any negativity that could be going on around you or potentially in you, in your life. And so this morning, uh, the last one of this kind of very short little series on joy, um, J-O-Y, so we've done Jesus, others, and then why is you? So this morning, it's all about Jesus. <clears throat> it's going to be all about Jesus in you. Is that all right? Because <clears throat> if we talk about ourselves, we'll get pretty depressed, right? So but we're going to talk about Jesus in us. <clears throat> now, what I believe God uh, wants us to look at this morning is the joy of <coughs> obedience. Oh, now right, I heard somebody go, oh, down there. I won't pick you out. But the joy of obedience. Now, <clears throat> as we come into 2023, uh, we're going to get really, really practical in our lives in terms of how we share our lives, how we share our faith and how we share Jesus to all those around us that don't know the Lord. And we'll, we'll come to that in the new year and we'll show you a little video at the end about all the prayer and fasting through January, what it's going to look like, but on January the 8th it's going to be our Vision Sunday and it's going to be called Earthing the Vision and it's going to be very very practical in terms of what God wants to do next year. God is very practical isn't he? Um, But we're going to really earth some things in, in how God wants us to be and what he wants to focus on through next year. We are always going to be a people who seek God. It's in our DNA. We're going to seek him, go after him, press into him in our personal lives when we come together. It's just, that's who we are, right? And so we're all, he's always going to be centre. He's always going to be at the front of all that we do. But one of the things that God has said to us during this year, which we're really going to get into next year in a very, very practical way, he said to us, in the same way that you seek me, I want you to seek the lost, people that don't know me and we're gonna really get into that next year and what that means, what it looks like, how we're going to be doing it in our own lives as well as together, in all our respective congregations and, and then as a church. So I, I'm, I'm and, and you'll get it, and you'll understand, I'm going to talk about a little bit of a journey we've been on the last five years as a church, how God's been leading us, the things he's told us to stop, and where he's got to at this point and why next year and moving into next year and the years beyond are going to be so so critical not just for us as Kingdom Faith uh, but also for the church in the nation. We are at a massive crossroads at this point in this nation with what's going on in the nation with what is going on in the church and we'll come to all of that. And, and just to say that, this is why what we're going to look at this morning is so, so important. Um, so we're going to look at the joy of obedience. Now, often we, we wouldn't put the word joy and the word obedience in the same sentence. Uh, often with... Um, Obedience, people can associate that with duty, rules, regulations, laws, restrictions. If you're going to be obedient, oh, you know, I've got, and it it comes with, oh, right, I'm supposed to, should do, have to, all of that kind of stuff. And with the word joy, we often associate doing the things that we love, all the things that we enjoy, the things that give us pleasure. And when I say pleasure, I don't mean the the wrong, self-indulgent kind of pleasure, but we, we love to do things that bring us joy. And oh, I love that. I really enjoy that. And, and we don't associate joy and obedience to be connected in the same way. But yet there is a joy that comes from an obedience that is liberating and life-changing, not only for us in our own personal lives, but as we live in that way, also what happens then to others through us, as we seek to live a life of obedience in the context of the joy that we have. Now, the starting point for obedience is not actually obedience. The starting point for obedience is, anybody know it? Four letter word, beginning with L, ends in E and has O and V in the middle. The context for obedience is in a relationship of love With Jesus, Jesus doesn't drive people. He leads us by His Spirit. John fifteen verse sixteen, Jesus says, uh, uh, "Yeah." Jesus said to the disciples, "This is." They were in the upper room. He was teaching them, sharing with them. A lot of uh, the, the Gospel of John is is in the context of the Last Supper, and He says to them, "You did not choose me, but I chose you." and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That is a mature believer. What God does in us is he's working in our hearts and lives so that we live as mature believers. When somebody's maturing as a person, they learn and understand in life that if they're going to be a mature person, their life does not revolve around themselves. They realise as somebody matures and gets older, life isn't just about me. When when you're a kid, when you're growing up through your teenage years, everything's very much about me and how I'm growing, developing, what I'm learning, educating, where my life's going. And, And it's important, we know as parents, when you raise your kids, that the challenge especially in our culture now is a very very self-centered self-idealistic kind of culture and as we raise our kids we're raising them to have a relationship with god and and in that context we're we're helping them to see beyond their own nose beyond their own lives and and how to love others how to serve others how to be a blessing to others and we we raise our kids Hopefully, so that as they grow up through their teenage years, they're not very self-absorbed, they're not as self-absorbed and centered as as, as, as many people in, in life are. And we want to grow in maturity, and, and sometimes that maturity is forced onto people as they grow older, and suddenly I've got to take responsibility for my life. I have to get a job, I've got to earn money, I've got to pay some bills. And some people never really enter into that maturity, and they, they want to stay in whatever place in their life for whatever reason they do. But many of us know that some things we grow and learn because we want to and we make decisions in that direction. I want to be responsible for my life and what, where it goes and the direction of travel it goes in. But, but many still keep a very self-centred life and never really mature into the people they, that, that actually they could be. And, and God, in this verse here, He says, I chose you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you can go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. Now, Jesus unpacks that in a few verses, which we're going to look at in a few minutes. But God wants us to be mature believers. Now, what does that mean? A mature believer isn't just somebody who's, who's good at worshipping the Lord, who knows a lot of the Bible. Uh, who can recite all kinds of things. When we stand before the Lord one day, okay, the first question is not how many verses did you memorise and how much of the Bible did you know. What he's, what he's going to be interested in is, did you love me? Did you learn how to love me? And what he means by that is not just, did you learn how to love me? That's part of it. But when he looks at our lives and says, did you learn how to love me? What he's looking for is, what did you do with what I gave you? How did you love others in the same way that I love them? How did you serve others in the same way that I've served them? I, I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit and fruit that's going to last. What did you do with that appointing? What did you do with that calling? What did you do with the giftings and the, the, the abilities that I placed in your life? And and that's what, when we stand before God one day, he's going to ask us, not how much knowledge did you have? How many many verses did you memorise? Because you might not know a lot of the Bible, but if you live what you know, you're going to bear fruit. But if we know a lot, but don't live a lot, we might have a lot up there, but there's not necessarily going to be a lot of fruit for our lives. And when we stand before God one day, What's going to be burnt up is the chaff and the rubbish and the stuff that didn't really mean anything. It had no significance to the kingdom of God. But the things that we're we're going to get, well done, good and faithful servant, is going to be the things that we did in relation to what he said to us in our lives and how we were obedient. The great thing is, obedience is not driven in a relationship with God. Obedience is in the context of love. So let's unpack John 15 for a few minutes, a few verses in here. There's a couple of videos I'm going to show you this morning, so it's a little bit at the movies as well. Um, the first one in a few minutes is, is, is phenomenal. It's just in the context of, of um, living under persecution, the Chinese church, but what God did in someone under pressure. Uh, in a few moments. But let's just read a few things here. John 15, verse five. Let's just get in this for a couple of minutes. Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So what's he saying here? He says, I am the life and you are the branches connected to that life. And he says, if you remain in me, if a man remain, if you stay connected to me, and therefore, I in him, I in you. It says here, he will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. So, a branch doesn't have to do a lot. All a branch has to do is make sure it stays connected to the source of life. So, that the source of life in that vine can flow through the branch. So, the branch can then produce the fruit that is in the vine. So all the fruit that God wants you and I to bear is already in Jesus, in Christ, in the vine. And so what he's saying here, as you stay in me, remain in me, as you continue to walk with me, as you continue to listen to me, as you continue to do what I show you and do what I say to you, as you stay connected to me, you will bear fruit. Fruit that's going to last, remain. Okay. so what does it say here? Uh, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What does he mean there? He says, if you if you stay remaining in me, you're going to produce fruit. But if you disconnect in some way, you can still know me. But if you don't live and walk in this relationship, not just of love but obedience that comes from love, then you're not going to bear the fruit that I've appointed you to bear. Therefore, you can do nothing. What does he mean? You won't produce any fruit. And certainly any fruit that's going to last. Then, verse six if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. I, I don't particularly want that for my own life, do you? If you do not remain in me, he says here, if you don't stay connected, if you don't stay walking with me. You see, a relationship with Jesus is not just the time you spend with him. Relationship with Jesus is not just what you know. Relationship with Jesus is, is living in a, a relationship, walking with Him, being His hands and feet and mouthpiece on earth now because He's not here. He is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He is there interceding and praying for you and me to continue the work that He began on earth. So the work that He began, we're here to do the ministry of Jesus, which is what? Jesus said Himself, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now He fulfilled that in terms of breaking the power of sin and sickness and death and hell and everything else and rising from the dead. He accomplished that on the cross, come to seek and to save that which is lost. But now we carry on that ministry. He's appointed us to go and bear fruit and fruit that lasts. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, is go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. We're appointed to reproduce the life that we have, the life that we're connected to. So, when we remain in Him and the life of who He is flows through us and we bear fruit, what does that mean? People can then come and taste of the fruit of who God is in our lives. Are you there? So, when people come around our lives, what do they taste? What is the fragrance coming off our lives? When they come around us, what do they, if we can put it this way, what do they smell? You know, um, but when they get closest, what, what do they taste? What do they pick up? What do they eat of our lives when we're around them? Because we all know what it's like. You go into different contexts and you sense stuff. You, oh, I don't like this atmosphere, don't like this sense, whatever. You go into some people's homes, you walk in and you're like, wow, what a, this is a love coming here the presence of God or the peace of God. Or when people get around our lives, they pick up stuff, they sense things. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. What does that mean? If we're remaining in Him and His words remain in us, then what we're going to ask is what is of Him at work in us. It doesn't mean just ask for whatever you want because God knows what we can be like. We ask for this and that and the other. And like a good father, He knows what is good for us. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's a promise. There's an amazing promise that goes with remaining, abiding, sticking in with Him, walking with Him. An amazing promise that when we walk with Him, in agreement with Him, in alignment with Him, in obedience with Him. See, what is living an obedient life? It's literally saying, okay, Jesus, what, is your, what does the Bible say? Then that's what I'm going to seek to live. And as we seek to live what the Word says, we will then live in obedience. It's not a struggle to say, right, I'm supposed to obey God. What am I supposed to do? And, and he says, well, my Word says, love others, serve others, be a blessing to others, pray for others. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. What it is, it's showing us as we live who He's called us to be, as we live who He's appointed us to be, as we live in line with the commands of God, the word of the Lord or the ways of God, then we walk in obedience. So what does Jesus then say in verse eight? This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So if we walk in this way, live in this way, we bear fruit and then we begin to show that we are His disciples. Disciples equals fruit-bearing people. Are you here this morning? Let's just carry on a bit more. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. This is the next verse that's challenging. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Mm, Interesting. God is love. He loves people. But that doesn't necessarily mean people love Him. He showed His love by what He did on the cross. God so loved the world that He gave. So love constantly gives. But Jesus says here, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So it's possible not to remain in that love then. Because Jesus is talking about remain in me, stay connected with me, walk with me, abide in me. If my words abide in you, if you continue to abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask for whatever you wish. It's relationship, relationship. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Then he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Wow. So there's a connection here between love, obedience and then what leads to joy in a few moments, okay? Because Jesus says here, just as I've kept my father's commands and I remained in his love. So Jesus relates here, living in obedience to the commands of God as to remaining in a relationship of love with God. What is he basically saying? He's basically saying The demonstration of my love for my Father is seen in the way that I obey His commands. Because I love Him, I want to do whatever He wants. Because I love Him, I'm listening for His commands, His ways, what is He doing? I want to see what He's doing and then join Him with Him. That's how I show my love for Him, by obeying His commands, by walking with Him and doing what He is doing. We have to be careful in our modern church age that we're in. We often preach a lot about grace and a lot about God's love. And sometimes it comes across like no matter what you do, God still loves you and their grace will cover it. And we have a misunderstanding of God's love. Okay, if we blow it and we get something wrong, does God still love us? Of course he does. Is his grace still towards us? Yes, But His grace is there to enable us, not just to to cover over. His, His grace is there to enable us to live in the life that He's given us. And He does that by the power of His Spirit in us. So that's where we need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. But He says here, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. That's pretty strong. We don't like that in our contemporary society. That's a strong statement by Jesus because we like the lovey-dovey Jesus. There's a lot of teaching going around in the church that is more about a romantic love with Jesus. It's more about feelings and emotions. There's a lot of worship songs out there at the moment that are more romantic love songs to Jesus, that are about how I feel and how he makes me feel. And on one level, that sounds okay. But what happens over a period of time is we produce weak Christians, weak Christianity that's more based on emotion and how I feel and sentiment than it is on a relationship of love connected with Jesus. I'm going to express my love for you by whatever you command me to do. And I want to live that out because that's the way I love you and honour you and bring you glory. God wants to toughen up the church in the 21st century. And we need a tougher church because of what's going on in the world and what's happening and where things are going. A romantic, lovey-dovey relationship with Jesus is not going to cut it when things start getting really challenging in our nation in the coming five, ten years. And so Jesus talk—he's—he's he's helping us. He's saying, hey guys, if you keep my commands, you will remain and walk. You will continue in that relationship of love Does it mean God stops loving us? No, but what it means is when we go the other way or we say, well, stuff it, I'm going to do this, that or the other, we take ourselves out of remaining in that love, but we remain in that love and walk with Him in that love. What does that do? When you know that God loves you, there's a confidence, there's a boldness. When you know you're messing up, it robs you of that confidence. And the enemy wants to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to take us here and there to rob us of that confidence that we have in approaching God, of walking with God. You know what it's like? You know when you're, you're out of sorts with someone? Maybe when you're growing up, you're out of sorts with your mum or your dad or whatever situation because of something you did. You know, they, that maybe they said to you, look, you're not to do that. I don't want you going there, right? And straight away, that's a bit of a carrot, isn't it? To, "Oh, I'm going <laughs> to go and do that then, you know. And, and But you know when you've done something that you know you're not supposed to, you don't run up to them and go, hi, how are you? How are you doing? Because they know that you know and you know that they know that you've done something you shouldn't have done. And so therefore you come to one of them with a bit more like, I think I might try and not see them, you know, I think or whatever. And when you do, you're like, hi, how are you? How are you? And they're like, can we just have a little chat? And you're like, uh, yeah, right. Um, you don't run out, you don't go boldly and confidently to them at that moment because you know you're slightly out of sorts. Are you there? So, the enemy, what he wants to do is try and get us to live like that out of sorts with God. Doesn't matter, just do this. It's okay. So, it's not compromised, really. Or, it's not this, it's not that. Look, look, I know God's saying that to you, but just you don't have to do it now. So, maybe it's not, you know, like I'm going to go off and do this and, and, something really whatever. But it might just be, yeah, 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 God's saying that, but you're not ready. So don't, just wait, just hang on. No, you don't really need to, just do it tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? The enemy, he's into delay tactics. What's Jesus saying? If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. How many of you know, when you, when you hear from God and and. You do something and something happens. You're like, oh, Father, you're so amazing. That, that releases a joy. It releases thanksgiving. There's rejoicing that goes on. And that's what he says in the next verse here, verse 11. He says, I'm telling you all this stuff so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, Jesus knows that a joyful life is a life of obedience in the context of relationship of love. And because we love Him, we want to obey Him. And that is then what releases the joy. You see, so often what we're looking for is an emotion of happiness or an emotion of joy to make me feel good. And God is saying, no, no, just do what I've already commanded you. There are things already in the Word that are here. They're there just to do. Get on with. This is the Christian life. Live it. Do it. Love others. Serve others. Share your testimony with others. Sow seed out there in people's lives. All that stuff. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. But there's also stuff that God says to us in the now, today, when you spend time listening to him, whatever that might be. And you know, when you're doing what God is saying to you in your life, there's a peace with him. There's a joy, there's not turmoil, there's not a... Sometimes there can be a little bit of a struggle going on because God's speaking about something and we're trying to to work it out with him. Or maybe not bargaining, well, maybe you do. Maybe you do try and bargain with God. I don't, because you're going to lose every time. It's just, but you're working through having to yield something, right? And that's different from, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do this. And you're out of sorts in in that way. So he says here, if you love me, not if you love me, but if you love me. So in that relationship of love, you're going to want to obey. You're going to want to do whatever he says. And we're going to earth a lot of this stuff in really practical ways in the new year in terms of what God's going to be doing in us. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be, look at this, complete. So we're not looking for an outward circumstance to release joy. It's an inward reality when you're a believer. And how that's cultivated is in this relationship of love living in obedience and the joy that that brings. There's, uh, there's loads of guys like him uh, who are leading churches or, or overseeing house churches, being imprisoned and all kinds of things and some of you would be aware of, of that. But the thing that hit me, I'm going through this, this um, 30 day thing, it's just taking a lot more than 30 days, of, of people like him that have written things each day and um, The thing that hit me when I saw this video was that they, if you read some other stuff around this particular video, normally when people go into that cesspool, within a few days they died because of the the toxic, uh, toxicity of all the everything that's in a cesspool. But as he began to worship Jesus, because in in the middle of that, he said, God, where are you? The first few days, and he said, I'm here. He said, "I, I don't know if I can handle this and, and when you write, read some other stuff that he's written and God said well just worship me, just worship me, rejoice in me and I'll reveal who I am and, and, and like he says that the cesspool became is his his written somewhere else his private garden of meeting and he, he, he was in there 12 hours at a time 12 hour shifts he would be in there every day for three years he was in there and he said when, before his shift he said I, I couldn't wait to get there I couldn't wait to get to the cesspool to be with my Jesus. I'm like, I I can't even relate to that and probably none of us can. But yet there's this joy in the face of that that is on the inside of him that was more powerful and more real than him dying in that context. Uh, Then he gets released at some point and uh, there's just incredible stuff that goes on in the region that he's overseeing in terms of the gospel. But there's a joy. The last part about the seeds being sown, we'll come into that in in the new year about just sharing our lives, sharing our faith and sharing Jesus. It's going to be so, so important um, and what that looks like. But if you note what he said, so many of the missionaries sowed seeds for years and years and years and years. And a lot of them never saw anything happen, but yet what he said was where the missionaries sow seed, that's where there's a harvest. And where the missionaries didn't go, there is no harvest. And, and so it's like getting seed in the ground of people's lives is, is what he's called us to do. We can't save anybody. Only the Holy Spirit can save someone and reveal who Jesus is. But what he wants us to do is sow seed. But he he wants us to do that from a place of joy. So no matter what might come at us, fears, anxieties, I don't know if I can do this, that or the other, in in the going, we're going to find the joy of knowing Jesus in a new and fresh way that we're never going to find unless we obey and we do what he's saying to do. We're often changed in the challenge. Our natural selves always want to take the easy route. We like comfort and we like being in control. For the Chinese guy, there was a persecution of pressure that caused him to have to take hold of God, but he still had to make a decision to do it. But The guy in the plane, he finds himself in a situation that he probably thought, oh, I was an idiot. I shouldn't have done that. I should have just gone on the flight I'd booked. But he finds himself in a situation where he's having to listen to the voice and all that we've just seen and watched. And, the relief there must have been when they landed. There might not have been jubilation initially, maybe there was, but the joy that came from listening to the voice. And in amongst all the storms of life, in amongst everything that wants to get our attention, everything that wants to take us down, take us to the left or to the right, What Jesus is talking about this morning in the context of our relationship with God, a relationship of love, we want to be listening to the voice of God. We want to be responding to the voice of God. In the storms, in the the midst of the lies of the enemy, in the midst of the challenge of the circumstances, that everything that want to take us out or stop us, bearing fruit and fruit that's going to remain. We want to listen to that voice. And with this last video, they literally were like, they realised, unless we do exactly what this guy says, we've had it. And I believe God wants us to understand in a fresh way, somehow, because we're not in a plane, don't know what we're doing, and we listen to a guy's voice. We're in a situation where, shall I? Or, shan't I? And I believe God wants to have this, just a fresh understanding of the death and the life that there is in whether we say yes or no, or we obey or we don't. Because it's, yes, it's about our lives and how we're living, but it's also about the lives of others. And that's not a guilt trip, that's a reality. that in this relationship of love, we want to obey him. We want to respond to him and do whatever he's telling us to do. And we're going to look at some really practical steps to that in the new year and what that means and looks like. But maybe this morning, just as an initial response today, in the context of a relationship of love with Jesus, Maybe after watching those videos, just what I've been sharing, you have your own personal response, but maybe you can literally just say, okay, Jesus, thank you that you love me and that love is unfailing. And I love you, Jesus. I love you. I thank you for all that you've done in my life, all that you're doing, all that you're still going to do because of your unfailing love. But in my relationship of love with you, I want to obey. I want to do whatever you're saying to do. Because I know ultimately that is going to be then me living the joy of your salvation in me. So Holy Spirit, show me, teach me, show me in these next few weeks as we come into the new year, show me what it looks like to live in the joy of obedience and all that you want to do through my life that's going to bring joy into other people's lives as a result. And so, Father, I want to respond and say yes to you without having to be pressured in a, like in a pressured situation or because my back's against the wall and suddenly I've got to find God in it. Father, I want to be ahead of the curve. I want to be on the front foot in my life, listening, responding and doing whatever you want me to do in relation to loving, serving others and whatever that looks like, whether saved or unsaved. I want to be alert to your voice, sensitive to your Holy Spirit, available for whatever you want to do in any given moment. How many of you are, that's your heart response this morning. Anybody else here this morning, that's your heart response. Holy Spirit, would you take a hold of me in a fresh way? Maybe just pray that. Take a hold of me in a fresh way, Holy Spirit. Lead and guide what belongs to you. My life is yours. Lead and guide me in a fresh way in all that you want to do. In, over this coming Christmas period, being with friends and family and those that maybe don't know you, I want to be available to share my testimony. Talk about you. Just share my life. Be generous with people. Bless them in some way. And in the midst of everything going on, I want to hear your voice. I want to be led by your voice. I want to respond to your voice. So that wherever you want my life to land in someone's life, or land right on the runway into someone else's life, in the way that you want, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you just lead me. I haven't got to be trying to make this thing happen or try and put any pressure on myself. Thank you that you're big enough to lead me any given day and any given moment. Don't go right here that you normally do. Go left and walk that way. Or whatever it might be that I pick up and sense you're saying, or just text that person now. I want you to respond or reach out to them. All right, yeah, I'll do that. Because you never know where it's going to lead. And so Father, I thank you for all that you're going to do, not just in us, but through us in these coming days, weeks and months ahead. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your awesome, mighty name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.